Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It's holiday time, and of course we all have our shopping done. Everyone is stress-free, and no one is worrying about hanging out with the family this week, right? Well, for the rest of us, there's hope in sight. Today, we're going to talk with Dr. Gina Keller from Kaiser Permanente about stress reduction during the holidays and find out how to start 2015 with a healthier state of mind. Dr. Keller, welcome to The Body Show. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm stressed. I mean, I was stressed just driving here. Now, I only come from down the road at Straub, so I come from what, King and Ward, and getting here, because it's about two blocks from Alamoana Center, was insane. Why do I want to hit other cars in traffic? Is this just a sign of just me having a problem driving? Or is this is this the holiday stress that's that's somehow coming out? What do you think? Yeah, no, it's the holiday stress. I work near in the Alamoana building, and, and I don't like going near Alamoana. Okay, I feel better already. Now, you know, what is it about this time of year that we all seem to be on our worst behavior? You know, I see it in the in the roads. I see it in the stores. Boy, I mean, I've seen people cut me off for parking more than I ever have. We're supposed to be doing this really nice thing, giving to others for the holidays. And yet sometimes I feel like I'm surrounded and at risk of becoming like the Grinch. What's going on? It's stress, expectations. A lot of people want to make sure they have the perfect holiday, get the perfect gift, throw the perfect party. You know, I think that's where people have to realize you've got to lower your expectations, be realistic, plan ahead. Fine, plan ahead. It's a little <laughs> late for me. I think Christmas is in a few days. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned planning the perfect party. And I think a lot of folks like to have people over for the holidays. And, you know, I have two really good friends, and one of them has a house that you can come to any time of day. You can even come help clean because it's never 100% perfect, and it's always just comfortable. And everybody likes to go there because they never feel like it's so perfect they can't touch stuff. And then I've got another friend with a glass table. Dare you leave a fingerprint, and you're in trouble. And you kind of feel on edge when you go there. So are we creating situations where we try and make it perfect by making the decorations perfect and the house perfect and all the food perfect and doing it all ourselves? Are we kind of setting ourselves up for having more stress than we need to? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, going back to what the meaning of the holidays, Christmas is, right? You mean it's not Santa and gifts and food? (laughs) That's part of it. But, you know, it's being around your loved ones, friends and family. And, you know, everyone goes through the same stress. And I think just being together, you know, everyone, everyone gives breaks. Right, they don't expect your house to be spotless. Or okay, if they do, they're never coming to my place. Now, you said when you have a party, you always you like you have a holiday function every year, and you're in charge of the guest list. You get to invite who comes. And when we were talking right before the show, you said you're never stressed during the holidays at parties. I mean, you just don't don't set yourself up to have that sudden surge of stress that it just it doesn't happen. And people help clean afterwards, and and everything works out great. Am I invited to your house this year? Can I just come on over? <laughs> You're welcome to. Yeah, not that I never stress. I think I just kind of manage my stress. 
You know, I think like if people, um, like one of the mantras that I like to tell my patients, you know, those that have been depressed and then they've come out of it and they're at the risk of getting depressed over the holidays, I'll just remind them that, you know, whatever got you well will keep you well, right? So don't lose sight that when you were depressed, you were, you know, you started connecting with friends, going to church, exercising, eating well, and then, you know, when people are stressed, they forget about all of that, right? So like some of the things that I'll do is I'll still exercise daily, you know, and then it's also important to get a lot of sleep, right? So like late at night, you want to prioritize, you know, like, do I stay up late and wrap all these presents right now and send mail out all my Christmas cards? Or do I go and get my seven, eight hours of sleep? So you would choose sleep? I would choose sleep. I wouldn't even mail Christmas cards. <laughs> that's already ahead of me. And that's what gift bags are for. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Gina Keller from Kaiser Permanente. And we are talking today about stress during the holidays. You can join us at 941-3689, Neighbor Islands 877-941-3689. If you found a way to reduce your stress during the holidays, both myself and Dr. Kellner are going to want to hear about it. Because, well, maybe she already knows, but I could certainly use the tips. So now let's talk a little bit about about some of the situations that occur during the holidays. Family dynamics. Yep, that's Just always Just stop fun. right there. Family <laughs> dynamics, right? What would be an easy way to handle some of the stress associated with having everybody get together because you know there's always somebody that somebody doesn't like and somebody said something last year that insulted somebody there's always something going on so once you've de-stressed about about the, the the wrapping the gifts and sending the cards you've gotten enough rest you've you've exercised every day what do you deal with how do you deal with everybody else well, I think just uh, keeping in mind, right, you're going to be around people. You might have differences. This is a time of year. You just put those differences aside just for this. this just for one, this like one day. Yeah. You can do anything for one day. Yeah. Now, part of it's funny because I think back to to training and back to, you know, residency and medical school. And and one of the things I want to talk about briefly is a lot of people don't realize what it is that psychiatrists do and in particular how is that different than a psychologist or someone else how is it that you what is it that you went through training wise to become a psychiatrist how does somebody do that and how does that affect how you practice versus someone who might be a psychologist oh well the training is different to be a psychiatrist you actually go through medical school so we are medical doctors um, versus psychologists they can be either PhDs or PsyDs go to psychology school. So in terms of our practice, you know, because we are trained as physicians, you know, we also try and tease out medical um, problems or possibilities that could contribute to, say, like for depression, right? Is it because maybe you're tired because you have iron deficiency anemia or you're hypothyroid, you know, those kind of things. A lot of people feel the difference is that we prescribe medicine and psychologists don't. Um, you not know, in every state. Not you in every state, earlier. right? Okay. There are a couple states that are so um, there's such a shortage of psychiatrists, so they have allowed psychologists to prescribe. Um, so, but that in, here in Hawaii, uh, I guess that is one of the differences. So, for psychiatrists, we can manage the medication and we could do the therapy as well. Do, and we do a lot of the assessments, evaluations. So now, if somebody were to come to see you, 
how would you determine if it's just holiday stress overload versus maybe they really have an underlying issue, like maybe an anxiety disorder or some other kind of problem, OCD, obsessive compulsive or something? What sort of assessment could you make to help someone identify if their problem is not just, hey, you know what, the family drives me crazy Mm -hmm. and I want to have the perfect party. How do you know when it goes a step beyond that? Yeah, no, that's a that's a common question, right? Because a lot of people will get sad, um, you know, but they they pull out of it. Um, So with any of the, um, I guess, psychiatric conditions, it's really when the symptoms are affecting your functioning. And if it's prolonged, and there's criteria that we we use for, like we use it for OCD, for anxiety, depression. Um, One thing that I found over the years in terms of teasing out depression is, you know, that it is a medical condition and it does run in families. Those that have kind of that genetic depression, like sometimes things could be going well, but they'll just feel sad for no reason. You know, and to me, that's just like, that's just the genetics catching up with you. You know, just like when people may have high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, they may try and do everything, diet and exercise to kind of fend it off. But sometimes no matter what you do, the genetics catch up and you get it. So I see that with depression and anxiety as well. You know, they could be doing any, any, everything right, but unfortunately it just runs in the family and they just get it. Well, and to an outsider, you know, sometimes people will say, how could so-and-so be depressed? They have everything going for them. They've got a great job and a great family and a great house and a great car and all these great things, lots of money. How could they be depressed? And yet I think that a lot of times we totally have no way to know what's really going on in that person's life. And if there really is a genetic issue or some other medical condition, that could take over. Mm -hmm. And those are the sorts of things that you might be able to help identify to differentiate between, hey, I'm stressed because I didn't prepare ahead, didn't plan ahead for the holidays versus, hey, I have this chronic problem. Yeah, yeah. And if it's, if sometimes I'll ask the patients, it means you feel like this is just situational and it'll pass. Um, Or, you know, are you hopeful? You know, that's one thing that I always, this is what I tell like the med students, residents, right? It's like, you got to have hope. You know, when someone is feeling hopeless, then that kind of makes this kind of a red flag that maybe it could be a clinical depression. So hopeful as in, hey, there's something that I'm planning on doing next Friday. I'm going to a party or hope more hopeful than that. I mean, is it happy about a certain event? Is that enough to be hopeful? Uh, hopeful that things will get better. Okay. You know, like this too will pass. Okay. You know, that sort of thing. So a situation like you lose a pet, you lose a loved one, that could clearly make you feel sad for a while. You could even be depressed for a while, but Mm -hmm. if you can have the insight to know, okay, I think this will improve, then that would be potentially easier for you to handle. I guess maybe not even that. It wouldn't be genetic as much if there's a situation. Or could the two things combine? It could, yeah. Make it even worse. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, bereavement used to be an exclusion for major depression, but now we know that you know, a death of a loved person can actually, that's a major life stressor, sure. right? So if like a loss of job or divorce can cause a major depression, right? So why can't this also? So yeah, that could trigger someone to get depressed who's already genetically prone. Or even if they're not genetically prone, I guess it still could. Right, yeah. Would you treat that with medication? Um, sometimes, definitely the genetic ones. Okay. I would say, you know, so I subspecialize with kids and adolescents, and 
you know, the um, NIMH has spent $32 million studying depression in kids. And so we know that the combination of antidepressants and therapy is the most effective. So. And the NIMH, the National Institutes of Mental Health? Yes. Okay. So they've looked a lot of, you know, in the last couple of years, the use of antidepressants in adolescents has been somewhat questioned because there are some concerns about whether or not it would potentially promote some dangerous behaviors, suicidal or otherwise. On the other hand, we also know that that could be a time of hormonal changes and a lot of other things could maybe worsen a depression than it might for someone else. How do you treat major depression in the adolescent group, adolescent teens, early adult group? Yeah, I think it's important to have the combination. The therapy is is key, you know, so that you kind of learn the healthy coping strategies. So eventually when you take away the antidepressant, because once a teen starts on it, I don't plan on keeping them on it lifelong just to kind of get them through this this depressive episode. And then if they've learned the healthy coping strategies, then when you take the medicine away, then they... They still have their healthy coping yes. strategies. Yeah. It seems like that would work for adults, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I'll often see folks who say, uh, I think I want an antidepressant or maybe another doctor specialist. I had one person who their oncologist said I think they would benefit from having an antidepressant. They were treating another type of cancer. And when I brought that up with the individual, I said, what about that and some therapy? They were just like, nope, nope, I don't need therapy. Not at all. I just want the pills. Does that happen often in your field when people just want a medication and feel like it's an easy fix? And how often does it work? Yeah. Um, you know, many times it does work well, but, you know, it's, it's not a magic pill. It's not a quick fix. I mean, it doesn't even work right away. Right. It may take a few weeks for it to kick in. But, um, you know, there's other things, you know, that you learn in therapy, like, you know, exercise, eating healthy, staying connected with friends, family. Um, So like social engagement, make sure you reach out, Mm -hmm. go to events with family and friends. Don't isolate yourself because that could make it worse. Yeah, which is something even during this uh, holiday time. Right. I mean, this is a good time to reach out when you're feeling stressed. Right. So even like if you reach planning, out and want to be nice to someone, not necessarily yeah. reach out and want to injure them right. for stealing your parking place. OK, gotcha. So you want to kind of be nice. And you said for party planning, reach out and invite folks that you think might not have family around for the holidays. Yeah, that. And then also, you know, to help help yourself or others reduce stress. I mean, you know, accept their help if they want to bring a dish to your your gathering you know, maybe they're excited to bring their favorite dessert. So, you know, just kind of let it go if you, you had your own special dessert. You okay, there's never enough dessert. Yeah, that's so true. So if somebody wants to bring extra dessert, bring it on yeah. there. But, okay. chocolate. That, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm game right now. <laughs> so, so in that case, if somebody offers to help and do something, say yes, thank you, bring it on. Mm-hmm. Encourage them to be part of the event. You don't have to do it all yourself. Yeah. Which kind of gets back to that perfection thought that some of us have about trying to make it the absolute perfect event and it really doesn't have to be right and then including some folks who might not have other family around during the holidays now how important is family i mean we make family is important okay but how important is it around the holidays we make it a big deal that everybody spend thanksgiving with their family christmas with their family new year's with their family hanukkah with their family everybody is is very much focused on their own personal unit what about those folks who might be here in the islands and not have family living locally? What if they start to feel as though they're kind of left out? 
what can they do? Not just find some folks to go hang out with, but what else can they do as a coping mechanism? Well, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to, um, you know, participate in activities. Um, you know, sorry, I can't think of any offhand, but, you know, to Tree volunteer. Tree lighting ceremonies, volunteering, right. sure. Christmas gatherings or even workplace Work gatherings. Work at the food bank. Sure. And, um, donate blood, you know, just kind of your way of giving. Um, you know, and then, you know, again, lucky we live Hawaii, right, where you can um, – be outdoors, maybe not today, an exercise, but... <laughs> yeah, today wasn't the best of all days, but okay. So outdoors also helps. Do you think that we it, we will feel better if we spend more time in nature? I've read about that a lot, you know, and it's sort of, if you're not doing well emotionally, go outside. Stop sitting inside a room or, or not, or isolating yourself. Go out and enjoy nature. Go on a hike. Go to the beach. Those things actually really help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for many reasons, you know, just getting physical activity, right? If you think, again, exercise is medicine, you're releasing natural endorphins. There are some studies that show just being outdoors helps, um, like dubbit green therapy, right? You're out in nature or even just being in the sunlight, right? So, again, I think we had talked a little bit about seasonal affective disorder, which is, um, you know, getting depressed when there's the when there's a lot of darkness, um, so just being out in light. So again, one thing in Hawaii, we don't see that that often because we don't have the four seasons. Um, this right now, though, this rainy weather is probably the worst that we get. This is like our Hawaiian snow, I guess, right? But um, yeah, just being out in the light. And that's another important thing because we do have the ability. I'm always amazed, you know. Last year when I decided I wanted to see sunset on Christmas, I became fairly insistent that this is what I was going to do. So, of course, I went from a party to the beach, dressed for the party, which looked great on the beach. And then I saw all of these people who were tourists coming to the islands, and they're all like wearing bathing suits, jumping in the water, bikinis and everything else. I put one toe in the water. It was freezing. But it's, it's not for everybody. So it yeah. sounds like, you know, even though you go out in the sun – and you think it's cold because, you know, you live here and it might be, that you could still get some benefit by being outside just with the sunlight exposure. Oh, yes, definitely. And you don't have to risk skin cancer to do it. No. A little bit of sun exposure just, is okay. We don't mean go get a bright red tan. We mean just a little bit. And that actually can help you mentally. Yes. All right. That's that's a reason why I need to leave work early every day. Let's see if that'll fly with the boss. I don't know. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Gina Kellner from Kaiser Permanente. She is a child and adult psychiatrist. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some more tips on how to survive holiday stress. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. This is Chris Dodds from First Hawaiian Bank. We've been a proud corporate underwriter for 26 years because we believe HPR's programming enriches the quality of life for all of us in Hawaii. Many of HPR's active and concerned listeners are also our bank customers. Our support is in recognition of the mutual values of trusted integrity and quality that we share with HPR and demonstrates First Hawaiian's solid commitment to our community. Hawaii Public Radio, celebrating partnership, building community. There's something that happens at Christmas. If you listen closely, you can hear it. Above the din of laughter or music at a party, in hushed, quiet tones, late at night. It's the sound of a Christmas story. 
I'm Lynn Neary. Join me for Tinsel Tales 3, a collection of extraordinary Christmas stories that will transport you to unexpected places. Thursday morning at 8. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Straub Clinic and Hospital, Infinity of Honolulu, and Gourmet Events Hawaii. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio getting some lessons from my friend Dr. Gina Kellner from Kaiser Permanente about stress reduction during the holidays because... Oh, I just never get stressed. (laughs) If you want to join us or you've got a suggestion on how to handle stress or what are your tips for what you do to help you during this somewhat busy season, you can give us a holler at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. Now, before the break, we were talking a little bit about people who might experience seasonal affective disorder or depression or getting outside in nature. What about those folks who have trouble at parties, you know, social anxiety or alcohol intake or overindulgence of certain types of foods? What are some tips for, for like people who don't like big parties and crowds? Like we'll talk about social anxiety first. What, what sort of things can they do during the holidays to make any party or event a little less stressful? Well, this uh, one thing, you know, um, with the holidays, you can learn to say no. You don't have to go to every party you're invited to, right? Um, Again, you can learn that word N-O, yeah? Yeah, and that's okay if that's going to avoid you stress. On the other hand, you know, when you have anxiety, really when the best way to get over anxiety is more exposure to it, then it gets easier each time. So this is also a great opportunity for people with social anxiety to practice having conversations. I mean, if you're going to a family party, you're already going to be around people who love you no matter what, right? So what better way to just practice, especially for the young kids, um, you know, where you're trying to have them practice making the eye contact, answering questions when somebody talks to you, um, and then also asking a question yourself to show you're interested in conversation. So it's a good way for parents to even be like your the social coach, right, for their kids. That's a good point because I guess a lot of times we just assume all the kids will play with one another. They'll all go hang out and they may be a little shy and they may not be able to go up to another group of even their own peers and interact and they might just be a little concerned about that. So, you know, even if you're a parent or even a grandparent, if you recognize that in a child, you can kind of help them through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always think asking kids, do you like school? Usually that's a pretty short sentence, no, you know, or sometimes yes, maybe. But, you know, it's a way to sort of engage. So if you're at a party and you see somebody, adult or otherwise, I mean child or otherwise, and they seem to sort of be sitting by themselves, a great way to break the ice, sort of help them learn conversation. Yeah. And in, and a lot of times the kids um, who are socially anxious may give vague responses, right? Like, do you like school? Yes. What do you like about school? Everything. It's like, okay, so one thing you can do as a parent or a auntie or grandma is help to make it more specific, right? Can you name me two things that you like about school? You know, what is one thing that you, you know, you like to do at recess, you know, so that they can learn how to be more specific when they're answering questions. And then you can always say, hey, my favorite subject was, you know, whatever, math or English or science or something. Do you like that? Yeah, share a funny story. And then really make sure they're making the eye contact, you know. I don't know if you noticed that with some of your 
patients that, you know, a lot of kids nowadays don't even really respond or look you in the eye when they when they talk to you. Well, you could always try texting them because I think you might get a response <laughs> if you text them. They might text you an answer. You never know. But uh, that's true. That's true. And that's another thing. Do you think that it's it's helpful or harmful for people to be people, let's just say adolescents and teens, to always be on their cell phone, texting, doing things with friends? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I, uh, my personal opinion is it's not a good thing. Okay. Right. Um, you know, so it is recommended as well by the American Academy of Pediatrics, right, to limit screen time to two hours or less per day for kids, anything with a screen combined time. So that's right? phone, call, text, internet. Yes. Okay. Yeah, video games. That's true, yeah. video games. I was never good at them. I never think about it. But okay, so all of that, screen time, two hours or less. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, or else they, they lose sight and just um, being polite and, again, how to have a conversation. You know, like, uh, you know, so one of my pet peeves, right, you're in a restaurant and everyone is sitting there on their cell phones. The waiter comes by and he has his whole speech prepared, what the specials of the day, and then, you know, they're on their cell phone and not even looking at them. Right. So yeah, those I are mean, like. One of basic. those personal things you don't like. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then if you're on your phone, I've seen people like trip and fall and stuff because they literally aren't looking and they're texting and boom, down they go. So physically interacting with other people, but also not injuring yourself. Another reason to uh, to keep an eye on that. OK. What about alcohol? That's something, you know, people who like to go to parties every once in a while, maybe overindulge, have a little too much. If you're not a drinker, is that something you should really be careful about because you don't have a tolerance, just not overdoing it? Yeah, no, definitely. That's that's me. I mean, you just have to, uh, yeah, maybe just have one, one drink and just uh, sip know your limits. Sure. Know your limits. Even with, like you said, overindulging, even with food, you know, and maybe just have a bite of, of everything. You don't have to get a full serving of everyone's of dessert. Everyone. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to get the dinner plate at the right, dessert right. table. <laughs> you really don't have to do that. Yeah, and you won't regret it. They'll come around with that food again. So, and so, so. Things that are um, edible or something you might drink, now would be the season that you might overindulge. So be extra careful with that. Yeah, and plus that, you know, even, right, if you overindulge, especially with alcohol, that's going to contribute to your stress, contribute to depression, contribute to your well-being. You won't sleep as well, you know, then you have that whole vicious cycle. That whole cycle again. So exercise, getting enough rest, eating carefully, enjoying your interaction with other folks during holidays. How about those folks that travel? You know, I always I always think, boy, I don't like to travel during the holidays because it is so stressful because there's so many people all traveling at the same time. If you happen to be somebody who's traveling, you know, I have a brother who's leaving tonight. And, and how could somebody who's in the midst of all the chaos of an airplane and an airport manage some of their travel stress? Are there are there tips on how to handle stress because you're going somewhere, then all of a sudden you arrive, it's another time zone, you've got those weird, creepy family members that always seem to show up for these parties, and how did they find out there was a party? I don't know. Um, but how do you deal with that kind of stuff? Um, you know, I think that's where the planning ahead, so like even when you're packing, right, just kind of... Um, you know, I guess I guess start preparing ahead of time. And most times when you're traveling you, around now, you're going because you're going to go to Disneyland or go to see family that you want to see, I would think, or you wouldn't spend that money to go and see them. 
you know. So Let's just, talk about guilt. Yeah. <laughs> that might have something to do with why people are traveling. Let's talk about guilt. Okay, so, I mean, hopefully planning ahead, like you mentioned, preparing, because often it's really hard for people to take time off mm-hmm. during the holidays. I mean, they have to get all their work done early, then they go away, that's stressful, then they come back, catch up from work, get back into the new year. I mean, this just seems like a setup for for really a lot of folks having troubles just kind of getting going for the new year with all of the holiday stress. Are there Are there ways that people can focus their mind elsewhere. I mean, I always hear about things like keep a gratitude journal, learn to meditate, be present, live a life with purpose. All those things just make me stressed thinking I have to do them all on the same day. What are some of the techniques that you've expressed with your patients and with the people that you treat on how to handle some of these some of these major stressors with some day-to-day things that help them? I mean, is meditation something that you think is helpful? Is it is it too stressful for some people? Can anyone fail at meditating? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's definitely helpful to start off your day just kind of being at peace and meditating, um, you know, and finding finding a pleasurable activity, something that you enjoy and making time to do that. And when you're feeling like really overwhelmed, like during the holidays, just take a 15 minute break, you know, go for a walk, um, you know, listen to soothing music or get a massage um, you know, so do something you enjoy. These all sound like good plans. I like the massage and the soothing music. If I hear sleigh ride again. Ah. <laughs> all right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Gina Kellner from Kaiser Permanente. We're talking about stress reduction during the holidays and how low stress she is until she hears um, coming to her house for Christmas. All right, you can join our join our uh, conversation today if you've got a secret on how to handle holiday stress. 9413689 toll free from our friends in the neighbor islands 8779413689. Now, we've been talking a little bit about how to handle stress and we've kind of focused although we've mentioned a few times about children, we've kind of focused a little bit more on the adults. What are some of the common things that children might experience during the holidays? and or beginning of the new year? And how can we recognize that they may be experiencing these issues and help them through it? I mean, we talked to right before the show and I said, do kids get depressed during the holidays? And you said, not as much as like teens and adolescents have a greater rate of getting depressed at any point. Um, but do do kids, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, is that a group where where there could be an issue with stress during the holidays or are they kind of immune to it? They're not involved in that yet. Yeah, no, I don't think they're all immune, right? Because there's different family dynamics sometimes. And we had touched on that too, right? Like when you, you know, if you have um, to split your time between the divorced, sure, divorced parents, parents yeah. and extra families and okay. Right. Feeling guilty that you're with mom and not dad this year. Or, you know, maybe, you know, you didn't get the the toy of the year this year and your friends did. Um you know, so there's a lot of things that can still contribute to the kids, you know. But for the young kids, the nice thing is, you know, they're still, they still have that um, that magic, that wonder, you know, at Christmas. And so a lot of times they're, they're, they're with the young kids, they're really resilient, um, you know, so. It, so it maybe as adults, we need to be more resilient. Yeah. And, you know, this is a good opportunity, too, for for the kids. You know, a lot of they're on break. They're out of school. Spend that time with them while they're on vacation. You know, one thing that we do like to um, 
to encourage our parents to do is to spend even just 10 minutes one-on-one time with your child a day. And you'll find that their behaviors um, improve, you know, or the behaviors you don't want to see will start to decrease because the, the kids, they want to they want to spend time with you. They like the attention, right? And sometimes any kind of attention is, is attention to them, whether it's negative if you're yelling at them. But if you find you spend that daily one-on-one quality time playing with them, Again, just right, just play with your kids. So that could actually reduce the chances that they might misbehave because they know they have that personal time with you. Yeah, and you can that can also you can incorporate that with your um, to help decrease your stress. Like have them help you bake cookies that you're going to give to your neighbors, or help them wrap the presents. You know, then you have an out, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. You can say, "Well, my kid helped me," right? So <laughs> there you go. Uh, blame that horrible wrapping <laughs> on someone else because they did it. So that's another thing is to sort of have family activities. And have it be such that the whole family can get together, either bake cookies or wrap gifts or do something together, kind of create those memories. Now, if if you don't do that as a parent and you feel really guilty because you don't have the time, maybe you're stressed at work, maybe you've got a lot going on, maybe you're r- rushing off to the mall, what do you do about the parents who can't do that? I mean, if they feel really bad that they're not able to spend that time with their children, that quality time, how do you help the parents through that as well? Well, I'll help them find the time that they can do it. You know, whether it's... Um, like even driving in the car to school or... Right, right. Even right this is where you have them turn off their cell phone, right? And you have the conversation or maybe you sing Christmas carols or, you know, you just kind of, right, have the conversation. Or for the young kids, while you're helping giving them a bath, you can, you know, play with them, play with toys in the bathtub. That could be the time. Mm-hmm. What are some of the major issues that you see in kids? I know you mentioned that you also have a particular specialty in ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive hyperactivity disorder. Does that tend to flare during holiday times or no more than the rest of the year? Um, it can sometimes because, you know, sometimes these kids get overstimulated. So at these parties, right, there's just... You know, they're already kind of feeling that kind of scattered all over the place. And then you throw in all these activities and they, right, they can get more frustrated. So sometimes, and a lot of times that's when um, the kids aren't on their medication, you know, to just kind of take a break because they're not in school. So parents will have a medication holiday. Yes. Because the medication, sometimes you need to stop it, kind of restart it during the school year. So they could be off their medicine at home, exacerbating things at least a little bit, but hopefully parents are able to help them a bit. Yeah, yeah. Is that a good idea to take medication holidays? I mean, I know for certain conditions, you know, you need to treat it regularly, but for for ADHD, is is a medicine holiday sort of the current recommended thing to do in uh, in the field of psychiatry? Well, with the stimulant medicine, because the most common side effect is it could take away your appetite, so a lot of times we will encourage those drug holidays. And then it also gives the child an opportunity to try and manage their symptoms on their own and not depend on it, not so much like a physical dependence, but use the medicine as a crutch, you know, to say, well, I misbehaved because I wasn't on my meds, right? So use their coping techniques that they learn along with taking medicine to help them during this time. What are some of the coping skills that you teach some of the young children or even adolescents about how to manage their ADHD? I mean, I had one person tell me in the office that they felt like 
ADHD for them was when they were listening to like four or five radio stations and none of them came in really well. Mm-hmm. And so they were here a little bit from one, here a little bit from another. And it was like their constant input was from so many different sources. They just didn't quite feel like they could focus on one or the other. And so what do you do when children have ADHD and what are some of the coping skills that they can maybe consider doing on their own that will help them with that? Yeah, I think um, staying organized, you know, having designated areas to put things and keeping having routines um, and parents providing structure, you know, because it's when things happen that they're not prepared for um, that they get more frustrated. So, you know, if there's, you know, if they lose their things, so, you know, you come home and this is where your backpack always goes. This is where you're always going to put your toys. Um, And then also just in terms of resilience in general, like having, you know, something that you're good at, like a special interest, um, you know, whether it's a sports activity, music, um, and then really being connected, just having one or two close friends. Like you don't have to have a bunch of friends, but, you know, at least one buddy who gets you, who has your back. You know, so, you know, helping to nurture and, and build those friendships, you know, those are some things that can help in the in the long run. And parents and grandparents and aunties and uncles, they can also help with that as far as fostering those friendships and relationships. Yeah. They and can. you can help parents, too. I mean, if you've got some friends who are stressed parents, you could take one of their kids and maybe the kid's best friend and go take them out, go go to the beach or take them out to go kick around a soccer ball or something. So it, it can be other family members that really step in and help out at that point. Oh, yeah, certainly. And that actually can be like probably one of the best Christmas gifts you can give an overwhelmed parent, right? I'm going to give you half a day of babysitting. That's my gift to you, right? So if you ever don't know what to get somebody you know who's a parent and stressed, Go get a piece of paper, get a card, and say to them, here's eight hours of child care. And that could wind up being a golden gift that's, like, priceless. Yep, definitely. Okay. So it sounds like there's a lot of things that we can do, not just to help ourselves, but also to help one another during the holidays. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with Dr. Gina Kellner from Kaiser Permanente, and we're talking about stress reduction during this oh-so-stressful holiday season, which is even shorter this year. And also that can add to a little bit more stress for folks trying to get more done during a shorter amount of time. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what are the thoughts on starting the holidays early, like Black Friday starting on Thursday or Christmas Day wanting to go rush off and maybe go see the movies. I don't think any stores are open Christmas Day. I think that hasn't happened yet, but you never know. You can join us if you have some thoughts For ways to handle stress, I'd love to hear what you guys are doing. 941-3689. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Share your stress reduction tips, or we'll help give you some if you need it. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. On the next Humankind, the stirring tale of the unauthorized Christmas truce, spontaneously established by opposing soldiers in the bitter first winter of World War I. Also voices today of people who want to celebrate the December holidays without excessive consumerism. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Humankind. This evening at 6.30, following Marketplace. 
Letters on the Air honors former U.S. Poet Laureate Mark Strand, who died Thanksgiving weekend at 80. In this archive interview, he reveals why some of his darkly comic poems feature talking dogs. A human being wouldn't get away with saying some of the things my dogs say. I mean, these dogs are really versions of myself as a poet. Mark Strand, a past American voice of New Letters on the Air. Tuesday evening at 6.30, following Marketplace. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Gina Kellner from Kaiser Permanente. Each week we talk about health and fitness, and today we're talking about emotional stressors and things that happen during the holidays. Remember, none of what we discussed replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now, if you have a stress reduction tip, we'd love to hear it. You can call us at 941-3689, toll free from our neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Speaking of stress, there's one really big stress that I think we haven't talked about yet, which is always an issue, and that is money. How do you help people handle some of those stresses? Because holiday time, we all want to buy stuff, get gifts for folks, and we spend a lot of money, then all of a sudden the bill comes in January. What are some ways that people can deal with the financial stress of just living here in the islands? I'm certain some of the folks that you see, you know, you see a lot of children, their parents are very stressed about money. It affects how much time they take off. It affects how much time that they can spend with their kids. What are some ways that people can reduce their financial stress during a holiday season when it seems like everybody's out there buying gifts? Yeah, you know, I think um, before you go out and buy the gifts, right, you make a list, set a budget, and really just sticking to the budget. And again, same thing, lowering expectations. You don't have to find that perfect gift. You know, a lot of homemade gifts are nice. You know, again, we talked about even just donating your time um, to babysit. Sure, grandparents like saying, yeah. I'll babysit, absolutely. Baking cookies, that's something you could do, give people some holiday cookies, neighbors, friends, etc. Now, what about um, that overwhelming sense that you have to get stuff for people? I mean, that gets back to the whole guilt thing that we talked about earlier. You know, I often ask people, do you remember what so-and-so got you three years ago for Christmas? And they're like, no, I don't remember. And I'm like, that's my point. So you don't have to worry about being so stressed and getting the perfect gift or getting the perfect the perfect thing for somebody. Do you think, you know, I often think life is less stressful if you have a group of people say, everybody's going to give $10 or $10 gifts, and then we're going to go around in a circle. And so you don't have to buy for 20 people. You just buy one gift and everybody kind of goes around and everybody gets something at the end. That seems to be a little bit less stressful than the usual. Is that one way that people can help lower their stress is just kind of find a way to not have to buy a little thing for everybody? Yeah, certainly. If there's a big group, um, especially for adults, right, you can just do a secret Santa and you just, uh, you know, everyone picks one person. Um, I was sharing with uh, one of my colleagues um, today that what we do with our family is, you know, we get stuff for the kids, but then adults, we all do a secret Santa. We have like a dollar limit, like 20 bucks. Um, But this year, my husband decided on his wish list, what he wanted for Christmas is someone to write him a poem. That's kind of awesome. About a boy, a wave, a girl, and a coconut. So it'll be interesting what we're going to get at Christmas. And I don't know if that's going to start a new tradition. 
That's interesting. So he wants all of those things incorporated into a poem. In a poem, yes. And, you know, because obviously I'm not his secret Santa, several people have come up to me and, and several are actually writing poems, even though they're not his secret Santa. So he's going to get like a book of poetry. He out of is, this. yeah. So it should be fun. But, you know, something like that. You can get creative. Well, and that sounds like something that you know, really brings out creativity, but also takes away some of the stress of having to, you know, go to the mall, find parking, go in, find what you want, get it, rush home, wrap it up, be perfect, and all that kind of stuff. That's a really creative, creative way to do it. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you think about it... Um, kind of makes me older, want to write him a poem, a boy, know, right? a girl, <laughs> a beach, a kite, I forget what, but it kind of sounds fun. Well, right, if you think about it, at, you know, as, as we get older, if there's something that we want, we, we buy it for ourselves. We don't really need anything anymore. So. That's very true. Yeah. So we don't really have to get a bunch of stuff stuff. No. All right. We've got a caller on the line. We've got George from Hawaii Kai. George, welcome to The Body Show. Do you have some stress reduction tips for us? I do. I have to attribute this to my wife, who uh, runs Brickhouse Personal Training. She reminds me that during the holidays, it's important to take 30 minutes for yourself, 20, if that's it, and get out there and do some exercise. And it could be walking the dog, it could be going for a paddle, but some physical release is a great way to bring your stress level down. And uh, I can vouch for it personally. It really helps. Well, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, George, about how good it is from for anybody to go ahead and get outside and enjoy being outdoors. So when you get 30 minutes, what do you do? So if you've got 30 minutes for tomorrow, what's your favorite activity? If it's not pounding down rain, I'm going to hop on my paddleboard and I'm going to go for a paddle. But, you know, anything, anything I can do to get outside, I like to ride my bicycle, again, weather dependent. But just moving, um, the dogs sure like it. When I take them up into the valley for a hike, um, I'll, I'll settle for whatever I can whatever I can get, whatever the weather permits. So like a rainy day like today, what would you do? I'll tell you what I did. Um, because I, I was actually planning to go outside and play, and it was, it was, as you know, a little bit damp. So uh, I did a kettlebell workout for 20 minutes. That's all the time that I had, but I'll tell you, I felt like... Uh, a completely different man when uh, I, I put my to-do list down and my pen down and grabbed my, grabbed my kettlebell and swung that thing around like a maniac for 20 minutes. It gives you the same sort of beneficial effect that being outside would, would do for you if it's raining. I think having the physical release really helps. And I also think more than anything, it displaces your thinking from the Christmas list and the obligations and the events and, and the rest of those intangibles that tend to kind of clutter your mind and create the sort of stress that, uh, you know, I think you're, you guys are doing a wonderful job kind of talking through. Well, and you brought up another good point is another potential gift for someone could be, you know, personal training sessions or you could say, okay, I'm going to go bike ride with you or I'm going to, you know, give you a gift of I'm going to make sure that three times a week we go out for an hour and we just hike outside or something along those lines. So certainly incorporating the outdoors can help quite a bit. That was a great. I thought your idea of uh, or I believe I, the Secret Santa's idea or the Deliver Me a Poem idea was wonderful. I, I think, you know what, you've given me a great idea. I'm going to put bike ride accompaniment and puppy walking accompaniment out there as uh, some gift coupons that I'm going to give. That's, that's really a good thought. 
Indeed. That, that's a great idea. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your tips, George. Certainly anybody needs to uh, to take time for themselves, spend some more time outdoors. Dr. Kellner, you mentioned your husband wants the poem, and uh, you also kind of alluded to the fact that it's something that is lower stress for folks, and being outdoors can increase your own natural endorphins, can make you get those sort of brain chemicals that your body might not release as much, particularly if, you know, they've done studies showing that if you if you exercise for 15 to 20 minutes a day, it's actually going to give you the same sense of well-being as maybe taking certain antidepressants. And so outdoor activity can really help to revitalize how you feel. Yeah, no, I certainly agree. And I like, you know, um, the caller's comment too, especially if you have a dog, whether it's uh, rain or shine, the dog's going to want to be walked. So you end up doing it even though it's raining. Yeah, they have to go. When they have to go, they're going no matter what. Very true. But that was another interesting idea George had, which is, you know, go ahead and give somebody who has a dog dog walking. You could just give them a little gift that says, I'll walk your dog for the next week or so. And then, you know, you can come with us or I'll just do this activity. You get the benefit of being outside and enjoying activities. They get the benefit of somebody helping them with their dog. Another way to incorporate easy gifts, that's that's an interesting uh, idea. Writing poems, writing songs, helping people out with child care, animal care, all of the above. We've got Sandy on the line from Honolulu. Sandy, welcome to The Body Show. Hi, Kathy. It's me, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. How are you doing? Good. We don't hear you at all on public radio, not one bit. Sandy Sukiyama, <laughs> well, host of the Brazilian yeah. show. Tell me about what your secret stress reliever is. Other well, than I, have, I saw I that you found, like, cash in your pocket the other day. So that's a stress reliever. I, I have quite a few. So one of the things is uh, making New Year's cards instead of trying to get them out before Christmas. That's I a good idea. Over, like, the week after Christmas and, uh, yeah, get them out then. And um, another thing is what I do with my nieces, who pretty much have just about every material thing that they could want. Uh, I give them my time, and I tell them to think of things that they would li- that they like to eat and that we'll figure out ways to make them. You know, nowadays you can go online and get recipes, or they can go look through Grandma's cookbook, and, and we'll get together and we'll make things. Or later on in the year, I, if I find a, a, an appropriate theater production for them, I'll take them out to a concert or a dance program or something that I know that their parents wouldn't narrowly take them to. And so it sounds like you find a way to give... First of all, I think the post office loves you for the New Year's cards because oh, yeah. most people get Christmas cards, but not very many people think of giving out New Year's cards. That's kind yeah. of creative. And then you mentioned coming up with recipes and making food. What's the weirdest thing your nieces have ever wanted you to make? You knew I was going to have to ask you this. Um, n- nothing really weird, but they have a lemon tree, and they really like lemon meringue pie. And so we did making the lemon meringue pie from scratch. We got their lemons. I made them go out in the yard and get my chicken's eggs. And <laughs> they had to you really went from scratch. Okay. the eggs, separate them. And so these are techniques that the ordinary kid doesn't learn because in the schools they don't teach home ec and cooking as, as um, mandatory subjects anymore. So even things like, like sewing a button or hemming a skirt or pants, these are basic skills that uh, hardly anybody teaches anymore, So, but they're valuable. 
All right, Sandy, I want you to give me a gift, and it's called Cooking Lessons, Sewing a Button, and Learning How to Hem. And uh, I'll come to your house. You can be my teacher. Come on over. All right. And I'll eat some lemon meringue pie. But I'm okay if we don't make it from scratch. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Oh, it tastes better. Made with love. All right. I don't know if my lemon meringue would be love or scary amounts of inappropriate ingredients. So I think I'll stick with yours. Well, thanks for joining us today, Sandy, and sharing some of your some of your excellent stress-reducing techniques. Love the New Year's cards. That's about when I'll get around to sending out my okay. Christmas cards. So, all right. Thanks for sharing with us. So that was a great idea, Dr. Kellner. It looks like, boy... Don't stress if your Christmas cards aren't out. Just send them for New Year's. Yeah, or one of my friends just said, I'm not sending it this year. You guys aren't getting it, and we're good with that. True. (laughs) Absolutely. Or I have one friend who sends Valentine's Day cards, and so Mm -hmm. instead of Christmas cards, they're like, I'm just going to make everybody happy in February. I'll start my cards for Christmas. I'll eventually get them out. They'll be Valentine's cards. And then Sandy mentioned some other really good ideas, giving people your time and letting them choose how they want to spend it. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's perfect. Except for if someone wants me to cook for them, because then they're going to be sorely disappointed. Uh, But certainly it sounds like a great idea. And speaking of other ideas, you know, Sandy's like, hey, I teach my nieces how to cook. Giving somebody the opportunity to learn, to come to your house, to give them some kind of cooking class, or even going to cooking classes. There are places where they actually will teach you how to make a certain dish and uh, teach you how to do something. So another way that you can help somebody with a useful life skill. Now, if we were to come up with some really good tips on what to do during holidays, what would be some of your, what would be some on the top of your list? We mentioned them a little bit earlier, but what's top on your list there? Sorry, in terms of what? Stress reduction. Um, Well, you know, going back to what the caller says, right, in terms of just getting that exercise um, every day. So exercise. Yeah. Planning ahead, you know, meaning like, you know, when you're hosting, you know, I like to do a lot of make-ahead dishes that you can start preparing two, three days ahead, and then you just heat it up that day so you're not cooking all day. Um, you know, so that that kind of thing helps. Um, you mentioned getting enough sleep earlier. Yeah. I think a lot of sleep. us are sleep-deprived, and we just don't realize it. I mean, a lot of folks just don't get – they might get the number of hours of sleep. They're just not getting – the restful sleep that they need. And they're just not getting that brain recovery, immune system recovery function that we normally get when we're sleeping. So we mentioned exercise, sleep, eating right, making sure you're not overindulging, another one of those keys. Mm-hmm. And like, like you had mentioned earlier, too, even just uh, starting off today with meditation, you know. Yeah, or... I didn't say I do it. <laughs> I'm the worst meditator in the world. If you tell me not to think of something, everything jumps in my mind automatically. I just can't stop it. But sure, starting off your day with a little bit of peace and quiet, maybe relaxing music, maybe some good news instead of the usual news. So starting off in a positive mindset. Yeah, and then also setting setting aside time in the day when you're going to worry, your, your worry time. I'm going to set up worry time? Yeah, that's what we kind of teach some, our kids sometimes. Um, um, you know, those that are just overly anxious and constantly worrying, you know, you, you have a, you know, instead of bugging mom, you know, you know, what about this? What about that? It's like, okay, your worry time is between five to six and we can talk about everything. So you put it off until that time. Awesome. I'm going to have to create some worry time. It won't be Mondays 5 to 6, but it could be Mondays 4.30 to 5. You never know. All right. We've got CJ on the line from Punchball. CJ, do you have a secret stress-reducing technique for me? 
I think I might. I'm one of those people who recently joined the lost a loved one around the holidays stress group. Ah, another thing we didn't even talk about. What yeah, happens when you've lost and, a loved one? You know, meditation escapes and driving is dicey because you're mentally distracted and emotional. And for me, it's coming down to walking my dog and doing workouts at home and and having some really funny cooking disasters. <laughs> well, welcome to my world. Okay. So trying something different, trying to cook something new, and maybe just being outdoors. You know, it's funny because I think staying off of the roads is probably going to reduce my stress and everyone <laughs> around me more often than, than pushing around to get that perfect parking place. So your suggestion would be, you know, I love the idea of spending time with pets. Pets don't know what hot, what season it is. They don't care. They're just happy to see it, particularly dogs. Dogs are generally happy to see their owners all the time. So you've worked on walking your dog. You mentioned meditation is an escape in a way, and you don't necessarily want to do that? It's tough to focus when you're acutely grieving, I think. I, there's so much emotion happening that to try and meditate, I, I just can't get or haven't been able to get there. It's, of course, getting better with time, but... I think uh, the dog is the best thing. Um, going to Christmas parties would be out of the question for many of us, if not because we just can't cope with the whole scene, but there's this whole cultural mourning period thing. So, you know, it's a whole different scenario when you lose a loved one around the holidays. It just takes us, I think, a special set of coping things that I never thought about till it happened in my life. Sure. Now, did you find a group, lost a loved one as a as a support group? I wouldn't have the presence of mind to have even thought of something like that in, in the acute phase. So, um, and I'm generally not a support group kind of person. I, I think um, maybe I did because on Facebook, my friends are very responsive. <laughs> You might have created your own sport, your own sport yeah, group. You yeah. know, Facebook does have its merit, and I do have a, a particular group of people that I've known all my life, and, and many of us have suffered losses this year, so we're going through this Christmas time. Um, kind of together uh, online. Together with this pain, you know, this, this grieving pain, and I think that's been the support group now that you mentioned. I didn't even think of it. You've created your own. With your own social networking. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, uh, CJ, and I appreciate you calling in and reminding us that the holidays are not the easiest for everybody. And for those who have lost a loved one, that's one thing that, you know, certainly can take its toll during holiday time. So I want to thank you for sharing that with us. And I want to thank you, too, Dr. Kellner. You gave us some great suggestions. I think a lot of people are going to get poems now, thanks to your husband's idea. Uh, get a poem for the holidays, and you know you can turn it into a trend that becomes something everybody does. But I want to thank you for joining us today on The Body Show. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Dr. Gina Kellner is from Kaiser Permanente. If you want to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, wishing you a happy holiday and less stress. We'll see you right here next week, Monday at 5 on The Body Show. See you then.